Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's football time in the bluegrass. You're listening to the KSR Football Podcast. Welcome in to the KSR Football Podcast, presented to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Justice Dental is the best place to get your teeth checked out. I know a lot of folks, you got insurance and stuff changing at the start of the new year, consider switching your dentist to Justice Dental. They've got two convenient locations in Lexington, one on Blazer, one on Wellington. They're your one-stop shop for all your dental needs. If you need a cavity or root canal, you you don't got to go all over town. You can get it all taken care of at Justice Dental. See everything they can offer you by visiting them online at justicedental.com or by giving them a call at 859-543-0700. Uh, Justice Dental, they can fix a lot of things, Drew Franklin, um, but I don't think the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could save the Louisville football team from being a complete piece of trash. Well, I'm glad I go to Justice Dental because I've been doing nothing but smiling since Saturday after that beatdown of Louisville. I kind of felt it going into it, and honestly, I wondered why they were an underdog, and I, I tried to play along with all this Malik Cunningham talk. But it, it, this was going to happen all along. We knew it was going to happen. It, it shouldn't have been a three-point dog. We shouldn't have given Louisville a chance. Kentucky's just much farther along as a program right now, and it showed on Saturday. It was one of those things, too, Freddie, where you, sometimes you feel so good, you're like, wait, uh, I feel too good about this. That was the whole lead-in of the game. Like, Kentucky's going to yeah. kill them. I, I just I didn't I didn't know I, I felt so good that I was worrying myself when really there was not for a second of worry in that entire football game Saturday night. Yeah, you know we're going to get into the rivalry because you know I have a confession to make about this rivalry game, but first I mean seriously this is live stuff. Condolences and prayers to the Satterfield family. Right, uh, right. you know that that's tough, man. I mean I've lost both my parents here recently. You know, that's tough, and, and prayers to that family, and legitimate, seriously. Uh, but about the game, um, I've got a confession to make, guys. Oh, no. 
Oh. Uh, I, I'm not a priest. I can't absolve you from your sins, but please confess away. I did not watch a snap until we went up 31 <laughs> 7. Wow. I was too nervous to watch the game. So <laughs> I, I went back to my army roots and I GI cleaned my ba- both bathrooms in my house, got my toothbrush out. I did every load of laundry in the house. Once I finished, I had a stack of clean towels. I put them in the washer and washed them again. I mopped my floors, scrubbed my doors, and finally checked Twitter because I knew it was going to be halftime and it was 24-7. I was still a little little sketchy. Went up 31-7, then I turned the football game on. I obviously watched it immediately after I reported it. But, uh, yeah, that's my how I watched the first – Two quarters of the Governor's Cup was uh, in my bathroom scrubbing toilets. Oh man, you missed a lot of fun. <laughs> I watched. Oh, I, I, I watched it later, but yeah, I was watching at KS Bar and Grill. It was a great environment as Levis just kept counting his touchdowns for everyone there in attendance <laughs> at the game. Man, and I will, I will at least give Louisville credit. The the thing that's beautiful, been beautiful about this rivalry is that they keep talking to themselves into thinking that they can win only to get the, their teeth kicked in just shortly after. And that crowd, that was a that was a crazy environment leading into the game. I was down on the field. They were, oh, you want to talk about chirping. I mean, just, I mean, just saying, just hurling some obscenities at J.J. Uh, Weaver, uh, Jordan Wright, Vito Tisdale. Vito Tisdale, I don't even know how to describe his strut. It was almost like the Vince McMahon except his included two L's down. And he was just, I mean, every single one just throwing it as hard as he could at their faces. And the the place was rocking. It was the most people I've ever seen at Papa Murphy's Cardinal Stadium. Um, I didn't know that they actually could show up for games. They're usually just in the beer lines for most of the, the time. And they quickly dispersed. You know, once halftime hit, they went to the party deck and then left shortly afterwards. But that place was rocking. It was nasty. It was loud. And to Wolf's credit, they had a good scripted first possession. But after that, the UK defense stepped up in a big way. Uh, they forced a turnover on downs. Josh Pascal had an awesome tackle for loss on third down. And like you said, Drew, that Kentucky's offense just could not be stopped against that putrid, porous Louisville defense. And back to your point about uh, Vito Tisdale, I want to start there. It's it's clear Louisville did not listen to the KSR football podcast as we talked about how Vito Tisdale will mix it up at any part of the field. Why is he the first player they decided to attack to get this rolling? Did they not do any scouting on who's the first to throw a punch? Well, they didn't scout Will Levis's running ability either. So <laughs> no scouting, I guess, whatsoever at all. Um uh, but have I you all to- seen the have you all seen the pictures of some of those alignments that Louisville was in? I mean, that is to say that Liam Cohen took what's his name Brown. Oh, Brian Brown, took, yeah. Took him to school would be an understatement. I mean, that was that was a that was a PhD going against a sixth grader in X's and O's because. <laughs> I mean, even the alignments didn't make sense. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. But, you know, honestly, 
the separation of these two programs could not be further apart in a, in a several different ways. One, Kentucky embraces the rivalry, right? Yeah. That's from the top down. Mark Stoops, Vince Merrow. They talk it up. Will Levis, they, 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 they're bought into this rivalry. They're all, all about in. it. Yeah. And Louisville, Louisville does not seem to care. Two, both sides of the ball, the schematic advantage that Kentucky had was just obvious. I meant Brad White was a step, a play call ahead of Satterfield. I mean, just – and that defense oh. played lights out. And the, then Lee and Cohen dialed up a beauty. And he didn't even – Nick, we talk about flashy lures. He didn't even have to go to the tackle box. He used a hook and worm <laughs> to, to beat the crap out of them. It, it was it was beautiful. Personnel-wise, the recruiting is so much – I mean, Kentucky has the personnel advantage, X and O advantage, <laughs> attitude advantage. I mean, this thing is getting to be like the old Kentucky-Florida series. But I've been around long enough to know that it can flip. I mean, if yeah. Stoops leaves for whatsoever, it can flip and go the other way. But as of right now, 2022, this thing is Kentucky, Florida of the old days. That uh, I think it was Levis's first touchdown. Jeff Drummond tweeted out a picture of it, and you can see the entire Kentucky right side of the offensive line, and you cannot see one Louisville player lined up across from him. And yeah, Levis yeah. just. Tucked it and ran. I think he said after the game, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we just ran it about four or five times. And it kept working. So it's like, man, it's like the remember the Titans, you know, like we got six plays, they all work. So we're going to keep running them. <laughs> mm. oh, it was man. so easy uh, on a lot of them. But then the play where he had to make a few plays where he jukes the guy and then gets the hurdle and then picks up a few more yards. My goodness, we haven't seen anything like that in a long time. People keep but talking Louisville about the hurdle. Schedule. I, <laughs> I thought his juke was better than the hurdle, though. Like he, he pulled that, that guy, guy down. <laughs> I, I got a screen grab. I meant to tweet it. I never did. But the guy's on all fours as Levis is going to the left of him. It's quite <laughs> hilarious. Well, you know the honest, the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, people tuned in to watch Malik Cunningham, but it was the Will Levis show. Depending on what happens with the coaching situation depending on who comes back offensively, if Dar Rosenthal comes back, Wondell Robinson, we'll see, Chris Rodriguez, et cetera. Kentucky could legitimately have a sincere Heisman Trophy, Heisman Trophy candidate and Will Levis going into uh, 2022. And the, I mean, that's not far-fetched, is it? No, no. And there was a – I forget what play it was, uh, but Luckett just looked at me and – Look, it's a pretty mild-mannered kind of guy. We're sitting up in there in the press box. Of course, KSR, we were in the top row uh, next to uh, Beers with John Spears and, and Lonnie Demery, just the finest of uh, reporters out there. And he looked at me and he said, my God, he's going to be good next year. And and that's the the thing, too, with preseason stuff. And and especially with this offseason, you, you kind of alluded to it, Freddie, but the, the beautiful thing about this game being at the end of the year it doesn't get the kind of hate and vitriol that you get the first game of the season where you're talking about it for three months. But the payout from winning is worth so much more because you get so much offseason momentum. And if there's one thing that yeah. these preseason magazines love, it's winning your last few games and having a quarterback that comes back. Remember when everybody thought Tennessee was going to be really good last year 
and Jeremy Pruitt ended up getting fired all because they beat Indiana in a bowl game. Like that, that's the kind of stuff, the artificial momentum that gets built uh, when you win big at the end of the year. And when you crush a rival on national television and then you can go out and, and knock on recruits doors over the next two weeks, sign a big class, then go play on new year's day, that momentum, you're right, Freddie. I, I know, uh, you know, there's a lot of chips that still got to fall uh, where they yeah. may. But Kentucky, have it, being able to beat the snot out of Louisville and really make them look like a JV team, it, it just works wonders for you uh, to end a football season. Drew, I, I'm going to give you a number here. Kentucky has outscored Louisville 153 to 44 in the last three Governor's Cups. What is your commentary on those numbers? Uh, that it's hilarious and that, I mean, it's absurd to average 50 points of offense against your rival. That, that is just insane. And to punt three times in three years, it's, it's, it's almost unfair that they're even playing the game. And the worst part too, Drew, is that they should, the game, it was, the game was over as soon as the fourth quarter started and all of the Louisville fans had left. They were playing this Muhammad Ali like hype video, like Louisville, Kentucky's the greatest city in America. And like just nobody's there except friends and family and UK fans. And I think the backups, I think the backups got three, four series in. And that was the only time they had a punt. And that was how Louisville yeah, got garbage. You shouldn't have your backups in. You shouldn't have your backups in, in a rivalry game. It's just it's not even a rivalry at that point if you're getting practice for guys for the future in what should be your biggest <laughs> game of the year. And it's been three years of it. Shout out to you LaBelle, know, that's right? Twi- that's twice that Mark Stoops has took his foot off the gas. Uh, I mean, literally, Kentucky could have named their score on Saturday. I mean, 52 yeah. was modest compared to what that could have been. So, you know, depending on how you look at it, I, I'm, I'm a more conservative approach to the game and, and respectful for the game. And I tip my cap to Mark Stoops for that because – not a lot of head coaches would do that, especially in a rivalry game, especially after being an underdog and trying to get in that top 25 and a, and a better Florida Bowl. But, you know, he did. And, you know, I fell – you know, I, I admit I fell into the trap of – Louisville's a hard study for me. Every year, the last three years has been such a hard study because the ACC is so bad. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, Florida State – Georgia Tech, Louisville, you know, Nick, you and I laughed about it on Sunday, has been just glorified scrimmage fodder for Georgia, yeah. Kentucky, and Florida. I mean, you know, the non-Clemson side of it is so lopsided. And, then I mean, you know, you watch them play, and you're like, you know, Duke's cast to have scholarship players. Syracuse, their own scholarship, right? I mean, it just – it's hard to study Louisville well, because that the ACC is so terrible. And the, the part that kills me too, Freddie, is that oh, the reason why the spread is what it was is because of all the metrics and the power rankings and all that sort of stuff. But they bake those numbers in based off your competition. Well, if you're only playing bad teams and you're scoring points against bad teams, it's hard. You, you, you can't tell because it's just such a conglomeration of suck. Like we have Wake Forest playing Pitt in the ACC championship game. How many SEC teams, yeah. Drew, could – win the ACC like legitimately is LSU probably wins it right I'd I'd go half the league would be in contention at least I mean Tennessee Tennessee's built to win an ACC the way they score points 
let's go definitely would win the ACC. Mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama, mm-hmm. Kentucky, mm-hmm. Texas A and M, likely yeah. LSU. Yeah, Tennessee would have a great shot. They would Arkansas. Re- Arkansas would have a good shot. Oh, oh, we didn't even mention Ole Miss. Ole Miss is definitely Ole Miss. That's six. Yeah, Ole Miss is a de- yeah. So at least yeah. six and maybe up to nine. Well, probably eight. I don't know about Florida. That quarterback situation was shaky there. But, like, that's that's why all that strength of schedule stuff was just so silly. So silly. Like, we're, we're, it's the Southeastern Conference, all right? It's the NFL white. I just I, – I, I didn't understand it. You know, I, I guess you have to talk yourself into seeing how Louisville could win some way. But it's pretty clear – that when you look at what's happening on National Signing Day, over the previous four classes, Kentucky signed 23 kids from the state of Kentucky, and Wolverine signed four. Yeah. Those guys were making plays on Saturday. Yeah. Your Wandell Robinsons of the world, your J.J. Weavers picking off a pass of the world. Like, yeah. Th- those guys were making plays. It wasn't just some transfer from Alcorn State. You know, like that, that, it's not that hard. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we've been talking about this for months. Like, Louisville just doesn't have the guys. And when they finally played a team with some guys, you saw it happen. You saw it happening against Ole Miss. You saw it happening against Kentucky. They just got taken out behind the woodshed and beaten to death. It was really clear on the lines, as we expected. At Mm -hmm. one point, I mean, Bully just mows over a guy and pulls the running back down with his other arm. When Kentucky has the ball, obviously we saw the lines were just moving – Kentucky's line was moving Louisville's defensive line wherever they wanted. So it wasn't just the playmakers from in-state. I mean, just those big guys, it was completely different levels of talent. And that's not something that gets fixed overnight. And even the young guys. I mean, Jagger Burton opened a hole the size of New Mexico, and Lavelle Wright took it to the house. You know, that's the future. I mean, it just – man, it it just – it's – it is so lopsided right now, especially – with Kentucky players that are making plays for well, for the Cats right now. And I and I think where it's evident, and I, I don't – this isn't a knock at Jordan Watkins. He's a good player. He would probably be wide receiver three or four for UK. Like they would have – it would be Ali and Robinson, and then he'd probably be rotating in the mix somewhere. He's like their number one guy, and he's – I mean, they had that Marshawn Ford guy. He was a former walk-on. They just don't have dudes. And you yeah. saw – I don't know. It could be just the lack of talent in the ACC too. But the team's not watched Malik Cunningham before. Like, he's – he make him throw the football. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's what Kentucky did. They put pressure yeah. on him, and they made him uncomfortable. So, when he was third and ten, they bull rushed, and they just made him throw it. Uh, they got after yeah. him. I don't, I don't even know if they actually – uh, recorded a sack or not, but one. it was only one. But man, they they forced a lot of errant throws, and man, they they really they really got after it. You know, I've watched the game about five times by now, and what really jumped out at me is you know Louisville was averaging two hundred eighteen yards a game rushing, second in the ACC. If that says anything. Kentucky holds them to one forty four, and then throwing the football two two oh eight, but. I would say 75 of that was in garbage time. So, I mean, that I stand behind 
everything I've ever said about Brad White. I know people like to give me grief about that, but Kentucky is a top five defense in the SEC. If you look at a complete body of work from week one to 12 at the end of the regular season, statistically, this is not just me, Kentucky is a top five defense. And I think personally, this is the best job that Brad White has done because he's had he had to deal with that front seven injuries. With with Bully McCall playing through, Kentucky allowed 17 points a game. When Bully McCall was out, that number jumped to 32. Wow. So if you're thinking that we everybody keeps saying, well, front seven injuries, that's a number for you. That is that is a statistic. So, you know, having to deal with that. And here's another thing, Drew. Three cornerbacks. Kentucky went through the season with three cornerbacks. I mean, amazing, amazing that that team is nine and three and 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 just completely shut down Louisville. Great job by Brad White because everybody's talking about Cohen and they should. That dude is a star. I mean, from what that offense has done, you know. I think Drew we graded them after the Tennessee game or right after the Tennessee game, and and I gave Levis a B minus because of the turnovers and he did, he'd had some bad games. Well, Kentucky's averaging well over 500 yards in November. Mm-hmm. That offense is starting to click. And Will Levis, Lynn Cohen come back next year. There's a lot to be excited about, Drew. Also, I want to change my grade on Levis. I gave him a B plus. After performance in the Louisville game, he's up to an A for me, uh, especially having possibly seen him about town yesterday, and he was wearing a custom hoodie that looks like every photo of a UK athlete doing L's down all, <laughs> all edited together was on his shirt from Nick Richards to Boom Williams. He had a custom L's down hoodie. So for Our embracing goodness. the rivalry and playing so well in that game, I'm upping him from a B plus to an A. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him an A too. Uh, you know, I think, I think his last three games were his best three games and, and they trumped the turnovers. They trumped the bad games he had in Mississippi state and, so-so games against Missouri and, and, and uh, Lord, I can't remember the other one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I move him up to an A, and he's, he's one of the most exciting players, offensive players that's been around in quite some time, and he is fun to watch. I mean, I, I'd love to watch him play football. And, and, and Lee and Cohen, man, that dude's a star. Whatever Kentucky has to do to keep Cohen – Brad White, Stoops, and Marrow, John Summerall, keep that staff together. Keep them here. They have to do it, right? I mean, this is this is an all-star staff. They got to keep this staff together if they can. Now, if a coach, a head coaching position comes open, somebody takes that. I completely understand. But man, I, I, it would be it would be bad if Kentucky got outspent for one of those four or five coaches that I just talked about. Man, yeah. Mark Stewart. I'm, I could go on and on. It's uh, before we get into the coaching carousel because I know uh, that's going to be taking up a lot of oxygen over the next, you know, seventy-two hours or so. The, the L's down. I just giggled so much. It, it it's just I personally, Drew. I'm not a big L's down guy. It was kind of a it's a recent development. You know, it's it's probably only been the last five years or so that's really picked up steam. So I feel like kind of the old, I feel like the, the Steve Buscemi, how do you do fellow kids whenever I'm trying to do the L's down? But when they do it, it is just, it is so funny. I mean, 
even the little ones like there was one that was like they they were during warm-ups quandre mosley is like doing a pass catching drill and they're just hey 21 you suck and he just like out of the corner just threw a quick like just almost like he was showing him his pocket, you know, just like a quick L's down and then went right back. Didn't even look at him, just like a quick one and kept moving. It's just so funny. I, I don't know what it is about it. It's so childish. It's so silly. And it's just so in your face. I love every single second of it. Drew, I got a story I'm for you. Too. I got uh, Last night about 830, I was uh, told that Ellie didn't have a mask that matched her outfit that she wore to school today. So we had to go to Kroger. My favorite store, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we're walking through Kroger, and uh, she sees a, a Louisville person, and she flashes the L's down. <laughs> I, I personally, I don't think I've ever flashed the nails down in my entire life. And I look over, my 11-year-old is double-handed L's down, and I'm like, where did you learn that? She said, I watched the game, Dad. We beat them. Like, okay. <laughs> I love I love that the youth have embraced it. It seems like it's not going in anywhere anytime soon. Nick, you mentioned uh, Vito. He had good form on his, but we also have to compliment. I thought Levis after his first touchdown, almost like he was putting guns in holsters with his L's down. I like the form there. Smoke, we saw him skip from across the end oh, zone. Oh, that uh, was with a little, it was like an L's down dance. I don't think we had seen that before. That, kind that of... also got a good uh Kind of reminded me of like the Dirty Bird a little bit, except like with L's, he was like flapping wings, which it really adds insult to injury because they're the Cardinals, you know. Like, oh. yeah, if it's Dance with the Stars, I'm probably advancing smoke for whatever that was he put on. But just we saw a lot of different variations that we hadn't seen before. And Web is counting his touchdowns too, and then just like just hammering in their face. Oh man, so funny. I- I had someone on Twitter tell me that uh, Levis would need J.J. Weaver if he kept scoring to for, to show off the sixth <laughs> touchdown. Oh my goodness, that's a good. Oh, one. Uh, I love too after the game too. We we we. It was the first time we had done kind of uh, media access in a road locker room, and they they don't do it in the locker room. It's basically like almost like a closet. They kind of shove us all in to try to get these this interview with Stoops and all the players and we sit down it's like man kind of smells like cigarettes is somebody smoking in here and it's like no that's all the players they got their cigars rolling and it's just <laughs> clouding the hallway <laughs> wow oh man the only the only shame in the celebration is it, it took forever to get there though. at just fourth quarter it was it was a long time they were waiting on the sidelines just in the cold I feel like the cigars after the Governor's Cup is new, or maybe we just never saw it before, but we've seen a lot more uh, cigar intaking the last couple of years, too. I remember Josh Allen holding the trophy with a cigar. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've picked that up recently. And I think that was just a Stoops and staff, big cigar guys. Like, I know Lamar oh, yeah. Thomas was a cigar guy. His, and that's one of the things, that, the one downside to being on three instead of KSR – I can't find some of those old pictures. Like the Lamar Thomas leaning up against the governor's cup with a cigar in his mouth is just an all time photo. And it has been scrubbed from the internet. I tried to find it. Uh, there's a lot of L's down on Kentucky sports on Saturday. A lot of L's down photos. We, we we're probably uh, partially responsible for the growth of L's down in the last few years. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Um, uh, 
Gosh, but by the way, I know we talked about your your water bottle. Do you still got the Lamar crying Jordan shirt? Oh yeah, it's around here somewhere. I almost wore it Saturday. It's in it's in my closet. But yeah, that, that's that's a keepsake. Should have worn it for Lamar Day a few weeks ago. <laughs> I thought about it, but uh, I, I, I'm leaving it in the Hall of Fame for now. Oh man. Um, oh, let's see. I, I don't want to move uh, on quite just yet because I'm also. Um, I'm also I'm a little nervous that by the time we record this podcast, some crazy coaching search thing is going to get out. So, like, I kind of want to delay it till the end um, because just since we started recording, Dennis Dodd is teasing uh, an NFL hire for LSU. Lucky it was reading some tea leaves. Could be Matt Rule, who's kind of just wavering a little bit there uh, at Carolina a couple of years in. Um, so, you know what? We might as well just get into it. We can go back to making fun of Louisville again. You know, there's plenty of time to make fun of Louisville. Uh, but it took all of an hour after the game for naturally the coaching stuff to come up because uh, there's a lot of jobs open. And it feels like somebody's getting hired and fired every other day. The biggest change the most surprising change was Lincoln Riley said I am not going to take that LSU job <laughs> and you know what he was not a liar and he did not take the LSU job he took the USC job Freddie be blaming <clears throat> uh, Oklahoma in the SEC West would would finish where man they definitely bad behind Alabama Definitely behind Ole Miss, I meant. They'd be in that West. eight and four kind of mix, you know. And yeah. I know that yeah. it'll change yeah. formats when they get it over, but still. Yeah. And you think you had an easy path at Oklahoma in the Big 12. I mean, you go out west and you can recruit Los Angeles because he's already recruiting Los Angeles at Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. you don't have to deal with Saban. You don't have to deal uh, with all the expectations at LSU and have to play Arkansas. You know, you get a crazy environment every other year at Mississippi State. I mean, it's yeah. the, it's the path of least resistance going to USC, and smart move by him. Yeah, that 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 was the thing that I took away from it too. Is it's like, how do I avoid dealing with the SEC? And that's kind of what Lincoln Riley did. I can't blame him. And I hear uh, Los Angeles is nice this time of year. Would have been nicer than Norman. I've never been to Norman, Drew, but I would imagine that Los Angeles is a little bit nicer. Yeah, I, I completely agree that his decision was an easy one to make. I just, as you said, I want to commend him for how he dodged the question the other night. That was, I mean, that became a news story instantly, how he was so matter-of-fact about not going to LSU and Oklahoma fans just so excited. But uh, Oh, man, and pretty, then to pretty, get your rip. Pretty smooth. Pretty smooth way of dodging this situation for him after that oh. game. So I have to applaud him on that, and he will kill it in L.A. What was funny is, you know, I'm trying to find stuff where people are talking about stoops at either of these destinations. And a lot of these college football podcasts that come out on Sunday, they'll record late Saturday night. So, you know, like Feinbaum and Matt Barry are talking as though, like, oh, you know, it's <laughs> – uh, Lincoln Riley not going to LSU. Well, where do they go next? And it's like, uh oh, you're not out of the woods yet, Oklahoma. Um, but the uh, essentially where we're at, Las Vegas has stoops at the second best odds at LSU behind Lane Kiffin. And I think that's a lot of 
just Vegas talk. Uh, I think it, it, when it because Stoops' name has been out there a decent amount. His agent does a very good job of that. Um, when the Oklahoma job comes open too, it's pretty obvious to know why Stoops would be involved. Hell, Bob's already the interim, you know, to, to take him through the bowl game. So um, I think, though, the way that it's going is you get in these coaching searches. There's some guys who stay really, really quiet. And then there's other guys who they'll kind of link some out to get some feelers. But essentially at LSU, I think we've reached kind of a crossroads where they were kind of going down the list. And as people started turning them down, Billy Napier goes to Florida, Lincoln Riley goes to USC. It's like, okay, let's hit the reset button. And that's probably where you're going to get some more uh, candidates thrown in there. We haven't heard from Matt Campbell uh, recently, um, the Iowa State head coach. He's a pretty popular guy despite taking a lot of L's, Freddie. Um, But he could end up being a guy that plays a pretty big role in the Oklahoma and LSU coaching searches. So I do know that as of right now, Mark Stoops isn't flying on a plane to go uh, interview for any of these jobs. He hasn't been offered any of these jobs. Uh, he's out recruiting right now. He's in New Jersey, Detroit, Pittsburgh, uh, trying to get some big fish. So I, I think that those actions probably speak louder than whatever his words could say to this point. But nevertheless, like you said, Freddie, this dude's two wins away from Tyne Bear Bryant for the most wins at UK ever. You do whatever the hell you got to do to keep this guy in Lexington. Well, the SEC in 2025 is going to make more money than the NCAA. That money, SEC money, is going to be distributed to the schools. There's, there's going to be money available. It makes sense to me that the sport that brings in the most money would be allocated ample amount of finances for a head coach because, trust me, if Mark Stoops was the lead because of money, you're not going to get a better coach than Mark Stoops in here. And if it is, it's going to take him five, six years to, to, to build what Stoops has done. So I think pull all the stops, get an indoor facility, pay your coordinators. Here's the deal guys, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, somebody is going to pay Leon Cohen and Brad White a million dollars a year plus for their services next year. It's either going to be Kentucky or somebody else. Somebody's going to pay Mark Stoops, what, $8 million, $7 million, $8 million a year? It's either going to be Kentucky or somebody else. So I don't think finances should stand in the way of keeping the momentum you know, I've been around this stuff a long time. I could go back to the 70s. I've never seen the Kentucky football program in this good of shape ever in my lifetime. Uh, and that's a long one. And I want to retire with Mark Stoops. You know, I've got, you know, I'll be in my 60s in about, you know, eight years. I ain't going to be doing this because nobody want to listen to an old man. I want my last coach at Kentucky to be Mark Stoops. I agree with everything Freddie said, and I'll add, Mitch Barnhart, who knows how much longer he'll be here. Does he want to go into another coaching search or say, I hired the best that's ever done it? If I'm Mitch Barnhart alone, my own legacy and not having to go through that, because, you know, you can hire a bum, and in two years you're you're doing it again. I'm doing everything selfishly for myself to not have to go through that again. And when I retire, I can say I brought Mark Stoops and kept him around. That's a great point, Drew. I mean, and, and to that point, 
no athletic director should ever be hiring five head coaches. Like that's just too many. You've either been there too long or nobody's fired you because you can't hire a good one. You know, like if you've got, I learned this by watching the office. Uh, It's much cheaper to retain an employee than hire a new one. Um, That's true. Maintaining that legacy, hiring the best, the winningest coach in school history is much easier to do when you've already got him here. So go ahead and pick out a nice spot for where you're going to build that facility. Even if it's just where it is now, um, go ahead and uh, erect a Mark Stoop statue, put it out right in front and say, here you go, Mark, right behind this statue. That's where your, your facility is going to be. We're going to give you all the resources you need. And I think some of, uh, of, Mitch's uh, maybe pause. There's been a lot of, we'll get you this, we'll get you this. Well, it's another nine-win season. Kentucky's nine and three for the second time in four years. It's happened five times ever, two times in the last four years. That's a big, big deal. So whatever you got to do, because here's the thing, uh, to be a prepared uh, journalist, uh, you know, because I'm a professional journalist now. Don't, don't, there's nothing else. We're pros, pros here. But, I have to make my own shortlist in in the event that if Stoops does leave and there's not some sort of, uh, what was it? It used to be Bill Parcells was always out there. Uh, He's going to buy a horse farm Uh, in basketball. It was always Billy Donovan. Like there's no just easy. There's not an easy one out there. And as a lot of programs are seeing right now, Firing coaches is easy. Hiring a good one to replace them is not. I mean, look at Virginia Tech. There's there's a lot of openings you'd be competing against. It'd be really tough. So, Mitch, whatever you got to do, keep this dude in Kentucky because the way things are rolling right now, you can have a a full steam of momentum going forward. Georgia's going to lose a lot of guys. You're bringing your quarterback back. You're Chris Rodriguez of the world. There's a lot of offseason momentum. So, Whatever you got to do, do it to it. Keep Mark Stoops in Lexington. And the facility, is that's not a crazy request. That's going to need to be done fairly soon anyway. Just yeah. check that box now. That's yeah. got to be done regardless. It's not like Stoops is asking for something, uh, uh, getting greedy here and taking advantage of the situation. It's, it's not a new thing either. He's been talking about this for years. You've probably been – talking to boosters for a while about we're going to need this money. Well, now you've got to actually pick up the phone. Like, all right, today's the day. Let's, let's get this ball let's rolling. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah let's James Franklin it. just signed for a hundred million dollars or so. And he's 11 and 10 in the past two years. I mean, it, this is the, this is the environment in college football. If you have a good thing going, you're locking down that coach. And if you're not going to do it, somebody else is going to do it. That's just a business mm-hmm. that we live in. That's just the, that's just, you know, that's, that's factored into the cost of doing business as a football program competing for an SEC championship. And it's just the way it is. And I, I think Mitch Barner is going to do everything within his power to keep Stoops and Merrill and, and John Sumrall and Owen and Brad, but I think he's going to do everything within his power to, to keep that together because, this is this is the golden era of Kentucky football yeah. in my lifetime, and I go back a pretty pretty long way. So uh, I certainly would not want to start over because again, coaching searches are different in 2021 
than they were in, say, 2019. Why is that? If Mark Stoops says, okay, I'm leaving today and I'm going to be the next head coach at Coastal Carolina, for example. Okay, you're going to take Liam Cohen with you. Who's going to come with Liam Cohen? Will Levis. Yeah. yeah. Jr. I mean, the transfer portal yeah. has changed the coaching searches because now players can go with that coach. Right. So it's a whole – you not only lose a coach, you lose an entire program for a couple years yeah. during these changes. Yeah, that was something I, I forgot about until, uh, you know, talking head brought up Caleb Williams. You know, like he can just dip and go with him to USC, you know. No no yeah. sweat off his yeah. back. So uh, Spencer one, Rattler's in the portal. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, one thing I did want to bring up that you mentioned that we need to be specific about, when you mentioned John Summerall's name out there as well for like, Make sure nobody hires him. He is maybe the top candidate to be Troy's next head football coach. Um, exactly. That he was the, an assistant there under Neil Brown. I think he was Neil's lead assistant. Uh, and that's his neck of the woods. You know, he's from Tuscaloosa. Yeah. He went to UK, but he's recruiting that area a lot. If he wants to go be a head coach, he can. Bye. Yeah. yeah. He, you know. Good luck. He can, exactly. He can go do that. Or he can keep – and I think a lot of it's going to be a personal decision. Like, do I want to stay at my alma mater? You know, Stoops did at least kind of go all in on him early. I mean, I think he was only here one year before he gave him a raise and made him assistant defense coordinator. So, I know he likes working with Stoops and likes working with Brad White. and He's got a really talented inside linebacking group coming back next year. Um, but it's a matter of does he want to go be a head coach or not? Does he want to keep trying to recruit against the Alabamas and Georgias of the world down in the deep south? Or is he is he fine to kind of go to the the fun belt and and, and try to to make something happen as a head coach at Troy? So that's a situation we've got to monitor over the next week or so. because um, if not, he, he's gonna be trying to flip some big fish. I know there's a receiver committed to Auburn that he's after Jacoby Albert. Um uh, so uh, you know, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, as as we move forward. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on from rivalry week. Uh, there's also another player I wanted to touch on. We mentioned J.J. Weaver's interception. That was awesome. Uh, I briefly touched on Josh Pascal's uh, tackle for loss on that third down. But that was almost looked like comedy, like a, a cartoon, Drew, where he, like, trips him and Cunningham went head over heels and, like, flipped three times. Oh. Uh, Cunningham's second flip of the day. Oh, man. How is our boy Josh Pascal doing? Uh, they said it was a groin injury uh, on the UK Sports Network broadcast, but I, I talked to somebody after the game said he'll be fine. So that's a – thank God we've got a couple weeks to let everybody rest. Uh, Square, Freddie, I don't know about you, but Square, he looked like he looked like he needed to have a walker or something. I, I don't know what's – he's yeah. banged up, man. That dude, his body's gone through hell and back this year. He looked like a middle linebacker in the SEC on week 12. I mean, yeah. he's taking he's – taking, you know, those guys get beat up. But, man, I, you know, for the third straight week, 
the backups to me, Drew, looked faster than the starters on defense. Derek Jackson is a blazer, man. He can go. Trevin Wallace, if you consider him a backup, those defensive linemen, that front seven group, the speed of the backups is noticeable, and I think they're faster than than the starters. That's got to bode well for the future, Drew. Yeah, you mentioned Jackson. I mean, it was good to see him for second straight week, and they're making plays. I'm so excited for him. It's crazy that he's even we've seen him at all yeah. this year, but. Uh, it, it looks like the injury didn't slow him down too much because he's back and already popping people. That was just nuts. I mean, absolutely nuts. Um, I, I, I still can't get over that seven months later he can be playing in a football game, let alone leading the team in tackles in a quote-unquote rivalry game. Yeah. Just outstanding. Like, I can't, I can't say enough nice things about that kid. To be able to work his way back and then play that well, like, you go, D-Jack, you go. Well, that's a position group that's going to be extremely deep if Square and Jones come back. Yeah. You know, without a guarantee of a starting position, there's going to be competition there. But, I mean, they're all going to play. Uh, but, man, that, that's going to be a deep, talented group of linebackers if those two come back. I, I will say from a um, – if we're wanting to get into who's going to stay or go talk, um, I'm pretty confident that both of those linebackers will be back. Drew, I, I regret to inform you the more I hear about Bully, the less the less I believe he will be back. Um, it's okay. It's okay because my understanding is he's already hearing good things from the NFL. So if Bully is going to go get his bag in the NFL, I will be happy to watch him go. He got invited yep. to the Senior Bowl. So, um, you know, uh, they, they like him enough down there. And as uh, Lonnie Johnson said, that's where you go get your bag. So go down to Mobile, go get your bag. The one that I, I I was surprised, but it makes sense considering just the kind of injuries he dealt with, um, is Jordan Wright, because he he is a fifth year guy. He could get a sixth year, and he was Freddie kind of trending in the right direction, yeah. but it just never because he I mean he missed a month of football, and yeah. that was after kind of being you know missing a few games or at least halves of games early on in the year, too. And you know what? That's a position, even though Kentucky's recruiting really well at that spot with Keaton Wade and Tyrese Fearbury, like, they could certainly use more edge players. Oh, absolutely. We saw that this year with J.J. Weaver being on a pitch count. And, uh, you know, uh, we, see, we saw some, some depth players there, and, and you can never have enough depth at edge. And I think Jordan Wright missed a great portion of the season, and you know, his, you know, we talked about Bully being out and Ox being and losing Ox. Losing Jordan Wright hurt, hurt bad because yeah. he, last year, he was the havoc producer. I mean, tackles for loss, fumbles, interceptions, you name it, sacks. That's his game. And, and I think that if he can come back, that, you know, because he will have a chance to play on Sundays, maybe, but coming back, gaining more weight and putting more work on film. I think would be a good thing for him. Uh, there's one other thing too. Um, I wanted to mention that Chris Rodriguez is—he's like the antithesis of—and and this is—I don't, I don't want to be putting down another former cat, but feels like it's the antithesis of Boom Williams, where Boom was—he was ready to get out and get paid as quickly as possible. Chris Rodriguez 
we were asking him about just his accolades. He had eight 100-yard rushing games this season, more than you know Benny Snell ever had. I mean, th- th- he's in kind of rarefied air, but he's like, I just don't care about records at all. Like the individual stuff, I just I don't care about it at all. Doesn't bother me one bit. There's a very uh, you get that that sense of humility, and also I don't want to say anger, but I think he knows that he's left some out on the table, and he had twelve. He's got twelve hundred seventy-two rushing yards this year. So I, I do think that this is a pretty good shot that he's back for another season. If you're telling me you can get Levis and Rodriguez back, like man, that's that's all. It's a lot of offensive weapons uh, re- returning next fall. Yeah, and Rodriguez is an example of what I think we'll see a lot of how NIL has changed the game. That's a guy, especially at a position like running back, where the moment you have an opportunity to go make some money, you better do it because it can be taken away at any moment. It's a short shelf life of that position. But now if you can return to school and get a little bit of money to stay around and even uh, improve your resume and then try that jump to the NFL – I think we're going to start seeing that a lot more, and he'll be a hot name and making money through NIL next season, and I think that'll just be even more likely to push him back, even though, like you said, he's he's more of a team player. Not to reveal too much, but yesterday I attended the live taping of our rival, Pennant Deep's podcast, mm. and they were given – Wow, are you Rodriguez cheating on us? Time. Are you cheating on well, us, Well, I just happened to be there – I was. They did it in public, where I just happened to be watching the Titans. Oh, but they were just so happened to be there. Sure, sure. They were giving Chris Rodriguez a hard time about Levis not handing it off much and keeping it for himself. That get a lot against Louisville, but uh, Chris was laughing and just said how happy he was. So it was even, you know, without the mics rolling, he was uh, happy for Levis in his big day. Yeah, he's unselfish. I know Chris personally, and that's he's just not saying that to the media. I mean, he, he is really an unselfish player. Uh, and, and, you know, I can see him coming back to have a year that he does not turn the football over. And he also has Lavelle Wright and Juton McLean yeah. that can carry the load. And he's not going to have to run. You know, he's not going to have to carry the football 20, 25 times. Uh, and he didn't do it this year. But, you know, if you have, you know, you have Lavelle Wright, you have Juton McLean, Cavassier Smoke, you never know about what his knee's going to do. I mean, the carry, he's not going to get a lot of wear and tear. Plus, he can demonstrate that he can run the outside zone if he comes back and he can catch the football. Uh, so, I think there's a lot for him to gain by coming back. Uh, because this year, this year's proven, you know, running backs went, went for a time where nobody was drafting running backs and then they were drafting running backs. I think this year where you're seeing just random dudes run for 100 yards, this draft may be okay. We, you know, we don't have to draft a running back in the first three rounds because there's going to be plenty out there. So you have to you have to look at all those factors when making that decision. I uh, I just like the thought of having Chris Rodriguez mowing down Louisville for another year. I mean, he gets a buck twenty just without even bre- like breaking a sweat. I mean, my gosh, that is it's just so funny. I mean. And what's even better, too, Drew, is I was hearing stories after the game of some of my friends, uh, the more uh, crazier Louisville fan friends who were just getting in fights and stuff at the game. And I'm just – it warms my heart. It really does. It really warms my heart. Nick, take us through your past – oh, I'm sorry, Drew. I was going to say I'm excited to see Chris Rodriguez potentially come back and do it again. 
but I also enjoyed watching the people behind Chris Rodriguez do it when he wasn't the one in the game. There was just so much depth at that position. Nick, walk us through your last 48 hours because I know it's been glorious for you. Man, really has. It, um, it was one of those where I, I, I wasn't hearing from a lot of people I normally hear from. You know, you're just you're, – you're walking around, you're saying hey, and people aren't as friendly to you as they normally are. They said, oh, no, here comes Roush. Um, and then you have some people come out of the woodwork like, you know, I, uh, I I hear you on the radio sometimes. I don't like what you say, but it's cool that you're on the radio. Uh, I got a lot of that at, at Louisville Tailgates. Um, and then once the game started, uh, I, I saw a guy I went to high school with. He was in the front row with the Kentucky Suck shirt on, and he was like, "What? What, what are you? What are you doing?" And I was like, "About to watch your team get their their teeth kicked in." And he said, "Yeah, I'm not too confident. Uh, they they were not a very they were a much much quieter bunch." And I was just I, I I didn't hear from him after the game. The last time I was at Cardinal Stadium, my Twitter mentions were blowing up for 48 hours straight, and I just been a lot of crickets a lot of crickets from that side and i just i i, I want to know where they are Louisville fans where are you i'm right here you can talk to me you can chat anytime you want i'm, I'm open I'm wide open bring it on you should have set out a table out front like the change my mind guy with his coffee you should have just been outside cardinal stadium to have any conversations they wanted to have Oh, I also saw our friend TJ Walker, uh, Drew, my, my, my radio co-host. He was thoroughly enjoying himself in the front row of uh, one of the end zones. Just <laughs> I saw him in the fourth quarter when I came down the field and he said, <laughs> what losers? I mean, just like yelling it so that all the Louisville fans around him could hear. It was, oh man, just high comedy, high comedy. Uh, being at home wasn't nearly as fun, but even on TV, you could see them hitting the exits pretty early. It was a, it was a sight to see. <laughs> the the Go Big Blue chants were booming. Mm. Booming. And That's I like that a lot of Kentucky fans stayed around, knowing they also could get on out of there, but they just wanted to hold through and uh, make sure that place was completely blue when the game ended. looked like a lot of them stuck around. Oh, man. Yeah. And the people who did, too, uh, I had an old fraternity brother that I didn't recognize that was like at the very back and still just like, Rush! <laughs> and throwing his L's <laughs> down. And, and you also got the joy, too, of uh, having beer served at the game where people were just loving life. It's it's almost like having beers makes things, you know, you just make things a little bit more fun. It turns things into a party, uh, kind of like it you can have a party when you're placing bets with my bookie. I know if you were smart, you made significant wagers over the weekend. Um, and we just hope you didn't fill up on Turkey day because my bookie it's, it's just getting started on cyber Monday. They're giving you a bet one, get one free promotion for the Monday night football game. So on cyber Monday, bet against the spread on the week 12 Monday night football game and whatever you wager up to a hundred bucks, you'll receive that same value back in a risk-free bet for week 13's Monday night football game. So it's the only sports book where buy one, get one means you're holding the bag. Don't miss out. Head to my bookie this Monday to get out on the exclusive promotion. And for those who are keeping track at home, that's a bet on Washington versus Seattle. And then you get the same value bet next week on Bills versus Patriots, which is going to be an awesome football game. So I know you've got a lot of money 
left over in the coffers from Kentucky plus three. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when you use the promo code KSR at my bookie. That's promo code KSR to double your initial deposit all the way up to a thousand dollars. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Uh, man, thank, thank, just praise B because how? <laughs> hey, I won this weekend. Everybody won. <laughs> yeah. It was it's hard not money. to win with that. Are, I'm you all like the, uh, me? are you all like me and wish you just hadn't put even more on it, even yeah. though I assume you yes. all probably got aggressive? But <laughs> it was so obvious. It was too yeah. obvious. Yeah, I mean, that was that was uh, that was cheating, man. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a smart man, but I mean, that was kind of like cheating. I I've never had more money in my account, and I keep thinking like. Oh my gosh, you could have had twice as much. I mean, yeah, it's just, but you know what? You can't count the, the the dollars that aren't in your pocket. You can only count the ones that you do. And I know a lot of folks have a lot more money. And I love too how ticked off they were that they were underdogs. And Luke Fortner Ooh. said after the game, he was like, Man, as soon as I knew we were underdogs, I knew we were gonna win. <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the exact same thing. I know we get um Oh, we might think, uh, take – like whenever uh, something happens and people are like, don't show this to so-and-so, it would be a real shame if you showed it to so-and-so. We might take play it up a little bit too much as Kentucky fans. But, Drew, this, these guys do love being the underdog. That, that's a fact. How about Vince Merrow tweeting from the sideline before the game's <laughs> over? Like, what, what, how many coaches in the history of football have been on their phone – Sending tweets during oh. a game, especially a rivalry game. I saw him doing it too. I thought he was going to be like texting her. I thought he was going to do like a dang key, you know, like FaceTiming from the uh, locker room kind of deal. I thought he was going to be texting a recruit. I was trying to like, you know, peep around to see and nope, just firing off a tweet just to. <laughs> it's, it's today. Will Levis was on uh, SEC Network and he kind of mentioned he had already seen some of the memes during the game. Like <laughs> they're passing them around. <laughs> The highlights. I mean, this is a rivalry game, and they're on the sideline checking Instagram and Twitter, watching highlights of themselves. My goodness. I, I have a question for you guys, serious question. Because of, of the three, I'm the most objective about the game, right? Because I didn't play against them, and, you know, I'm old, so Tennessee's my rivalry. Right, right, right. In the last three games, it appears to me, completely objectively observing – just the games, take the logos off the helmet. Kentucky has embraced the rivalry. It almost seems, and they played as if Louisville has dreaded this game. Is that anywhere? It just, I, I don't know. It just seems, it, it seems like two 180 degree different approaches to the Governor's Cup, in my opinion. I completely agree. Kentucky is like 200% in under Stoops. I mean, we, we joke about Satterfield complaining, but that's just an example. Like, Stoops wants them to do all the hand gestures and within reason, you know, talk a little smack before the game. And then, like, when Cunningham did that little slap or that punch, it was almost like a move. He didn't know what else to do. Like, his back was against the wall. Kentucky had just been barking all, um, all game long to that point. And they just, like, Kentucky comes in ready for the fight when Louisville's almost dreading the fight, it seems – does that speak to culture? Does that speak to the level of athlete that Vince Merrill, Mark Stoops, and that staff 
has brought in compared to what Louisville has? Or is it, you know, does that come from the top down on each side? I don't know, but that's just what it seems like to me. There's two different approaches to the game. It's uh, There's also the mentality that Stoops has. It's the, like, we're going to bully you mentality. And that is a reflection of the head coach. Um, whereas like Scott Satterfield, he's an all shucks kind of guy, you know, he spent his entire career at an FCS slash Sunbelt program. It's just a completely different mentality. Um, and Stoops does not shy away from it. I mean, hell, he was playing clips from Troy. You ever see that movie, by the way? Yes. He, of course. he, he said he was out to see something. I, I, I didn't even know what he was talking about. Maybe I should, is it, is it a good movie? Yes. I have it on DVD. You can borrow it. I don't have a DVD player, though. <laughs> they don't make you can have it. Um, man, uh, Mark Stoops is – man, he's big game hunting right now, too. Like, he's going after even more big dogs. Cornerback <clears throat> uh, Davison Igbenoson is a guy we haven't heard of. He's a top 200 player, four-star cornerback. So, you want you a big cornerback? That's Davison Igbunison. He's 6'2 from New Jersey. Uh, that's where he was previously committed to Rutgers. They're also going to see uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, Deion Walker in Detroit, and commitment Tyrese Fearbury in Pittsburgh. So uh, Stoops, as he said, he's out big game hunting. They're, they're going after some big ones. And, uh, man, and that's just on the recruiting trail. That isn't even including the guys in the portal. So it's going to be a busy – a uh, few weeks here leading into the Christmas break for, for Stoops. They ain't slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, and there's been a couple of outgoing portal guys too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Plus the quarterback. Nick Scalzo and yeah. uh, Jake Pope. Scalzo, he got his first snaps against New Mexico State, and Jake Pope actually never played. They were two Fort Lauderdale guys in that 2019 class. Uh, eight guys have left from that 2019 class so far, so – uh, can't say it was one of the best ones, but you did get a couple of really good guys in uh, JJ Weaver, Eli Cox, Isaiah Cummings, and Brandon Eccles. So you were able, you did get a, a couple talented players, but for the most part, a lot of that class is left. And Freddie, I expect a couple more from that class to leave as well. Yeah, there's going to be transfers that you know, but I saw something the other day. I read Drew that. 50% of is power five transfer the players that enter the portal end up at FCS NAIA or junior college ranks or out of, or out of football 50% that's crazy to me so many enter it without having a plan well, for every Wondell Robinson and Darren Rosenthal and Will Levis, there are hundreds that are, are out of the game, you know. And I'm telling you, bowl season is going to be a – I think I think I placed my last wager of the year on Kentucky-Louisville <laughs> because bowl season, you're going to see – you're going to see teams with depleted rosters from players that have transferred out or entered the portal, and there's not going to be depth. You know, we thought we thought it was crazy when the running back from uh, what was his from Stanford when he when he opted out of the ball game that was a huge deal, right? So you're going to have to deal with that, which is becoming more common. 
and then just a flood of players in the transfer portal. Bowl season is going to be a mess. Yeah, the interim coaches, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is Coach O is he going to get a is he going to get a bowl game? I don't know. Yeah, he should. They should just yeah. keep him. At this point, just just give him his job back. <laughs> At this point, why 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 get rid of him when you could just fire both coordinators and hire a Liam Cohen, not him, but a version of Liam Cohen and a yeah. version of a Brad White, and you'll be just fine. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I will say a big shout out to Coach O because to make them bowl eligible, they beat Texas A and M, and it could actually help Kentucky move up. Uh, a notch in the bowl rankings there for a while we thought it was going to be outback or music city um, but with that win it knocks texas a&m down a notch and now citrus is back on the table so we could be going back to orlando uh, now i know that that isn't always uh, you'd be like oh well why would we go back I just wanted to be there citrus bowl the biggest difference is it's a little bit more money uh you get to play on abc at noon on new year's day instead of ESPN at 11 a.m. So it's a bigger audience, bigger viewing audience. So a little bit more mm-hmm. prestigious caliber bowl game. Uh, we the Citrus Bowl does get kind of their discretion. They don't have they aren't like locked into whoever's the highest playoff ranked team. So we're gonna have to watch that all unfold on Sunday. They'll probably play either Wisconsin or Iowa. I want to see the game against Iowa, Freddie, because I want ESPN to like go through the archives and find some old Mark Stoops playing safety for uh, old Hayden Fry. I got laughed at, which I get laughed at a bunch on the pregame show, Nick. That hurts my feelings a little bit. But I said I wanted to see Kentucky play Iowa because I wanted to watch Tyler Lindenbaum play, the center from Iowa. <laughs> Drew? Um, I, have a, I have a question, trivia question for you. Okay. Which Big Ten, which which offensive player was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year today? Um, whoever you just said, Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa, was the offensive is named Offensive Player of the Year in that's the Big cra- Ten. That's crazy. So over the yes, receivers, thank you over the yes. receivers from Ohio State. Yes, yes. So I'm not crazy when I say this stuff. I think Tyler Lindenbaum should win the Heisman Trophy. I think he's the best player in the country, and it's not even close. So, yeah, I want to see that game. I want to see – and if Bully plays in the bowl game, that would be fun to watch. That would well, be a lot of fun to watch. And, and that would almost ensure that he's going to play in the bowl game too because that's like – that's another game of tape, you know, you going up against a first-round guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So – Yeah, and, and SEC – all SEC guys was named today – PFF, Luke Fortner, second-team center, obviously. Uh, Darren Kennard, first-team tackle. Josh Pascal, second-team uh, edge, and some others. Chris Rodriguez, honorable mention. So, you finished second in the SEC in Russian, and you're honorable mention all SEC. So, imagine that. Man. Why would, why would Stoops ever want to leave all that? No, never. And you can go back to sunny Orlando, Florida, eat some oranges beat up on your old school, become the winningest coach ever in the history of the University of Kentucky. It's a great time to be in Lexington, KY. Who would want to go live in Norman or Baton Rouge? Like, the Mississippi River stinks, smells. Yeah. Drew, do you still have your Citrus Bowl pin? I do, yes. 
And I have a follow-up question to that. How are you liking uh, Blue Bloods? Uh, I haven't seen any episodes since we last spoke. The the UK sports schedule and holiday season kept me busy. But this week's back to normal. Uh, I'll definitely get some in. I also want to shout out the Citrus Bowl. I hope we can go there. Fond memories of Little Caesars for working members of the media. Oh, Big Little yeah. Caesars got here. They brought, we got like our own pizza. It was, it was pretty awesome. It was awesome. So selfishly, yeah. uh, just, you know, whatever for UK football program. That's great. I don't care. Uh, good for them. Me, I want oh. the free Little Caesars while I work. So I'm excited about that being an option. Oh, and the perks last time for the media. Like, I'm not one to want to brag about, like, normally the media perks. It's just like you get a meal. Dude, they hooked us up. They hooked us up. So I'm selfishly rooting for that. If that happens, might take Duke to Disney World. So that would be really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, – bring it on. Come on. Let's eat some oranges. Let's go kick Iowa's teeth in. And let, let's have a fun time. This has been – I know going into this game, we talked a little bit about, you know, the th- people were really soured on that Tennessee loss, Freddie. You know, but and we yeah. needed Kentucky to finish strong to, to reinforce that this is one of the best seasons we've ever – experience as Kentucky football fans and that was the case Kentucky could not have ended on a higher of highs they went out and put down the exclamation point into the season with authority by beating the snot out of the Louisville Cardinals and it was it was a glorious ride to end the year yeah it was total domination uh from start to finish Louisville had the one drive uh to tie the game seven seven after that it was it was uh it was woodshed time, and, and that was the basically it. And, you know, the disparity between the two programs as far as their approach to the game, personnel, recruiting, attitude, it, it's just – it is wide. The gap is wide. And, again, that can flip – that can flip on a dime. We've seen it happen before. But if everything – everything holds course as it is right now, I just see this, you know, continuing on because 153 to, what, 44 or whatever – that's just, uh, you know, that that's something that doesn't change that on a, you know, it's like a big ship. It takes a while for that to turn. So Kentucky had a great performance, offense, defense, special teams, call them good fellows, sprinted maybe 80 yards for the game, 40 yards onto the field, 40 yards back mm-hmm. and uh, for one punt. And that was late in the fourth quarter. And it was just uh, the better team with the better players with the better coaches won the football game. It's fun. Fun stuff. It's going to be more fun. It's going to be a busy few weeks over the KSR compound. So uh, keep it locked at KentuckySportsRadio.com for all of your football recruiting, your coaching carousel, your bowl predictions. Uh, this regular season is over. Uh, Kentucky is not in three, but there's still plenty more to go. So uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back with more content, podcasts, you name it. We'll have it at Kentucky Sports Radio. Until then, go Cats and go Kroger. Hold Wait. on, I got something else. Oh, 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 I thought you were just waving at me. No, are we still recording? Yeah, we're still recording. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Barkley and Troy will have you covered as far as previewing oh. games up to the state championship. For- and I thought, you know, you guys could pick the games. I'm on the call. I'm okay. like Herb Street. I can't pick. Oh, you're okay. You're 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 Kirk Herbstreit because you, you'll be. Will you be doing all six games, Freddie? All six games. Yeah. Now, where so, where will they find you? Is it? Is it uh, uh, I, I'll tweet that out. It's it's KHSAA. It's, I'm doing the TV and radio for KHSAA, but it's uh, the NFHS the, network, I believe. 
Yeah, Drew, did you know that Russellville had, has 106 tackles for loss this year? Oh, my God. It's a lot. Yeah, and 23 <laughs> Listen, interceptions. Russellville's one of my favorite stories of the year. I'm a big Mikey Benton fan, and I'm glad he gets to go back to Commonwealth Stadium where he used to play in that secondary for the Cats. I'm very excited yeah. for Russellville. I'm going to be right, cheering for you. Russellville, but I think Pikeville's winning that one. Mark me down for Pikeville in the predictions column. Put me okay. down for Russellville. All the right. RVK. 2A, Lexington Christian Academy versus Beachwood. Who you got? LCA has way too many horses. Um, Beachwood, they've been there. They've done that. They've won a ton of state championships, but they're not going to get this one. Sorry, Cam Herget. Your your swan song is going to end with a loss. Give me LCA. Drew Beachwood's like allowing 30 yards a game, four points a game. I like LCA for two reasons. One, uh, they're really good, and I, I think they will win this game. But two, I have to get KSR back in uh, LCA's good graces because they wanted to rip Matt Jones' limbs off and beat him with them last week. <laughs> so I will pick LCA just so Marty Moore doesn't show up at KS Bar with a baseball bat. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk to Marty later today. I'll pass that on. Thank you. Thank you. You're, Big you're fan. welcome. Yeah. Okay. Eight and six Beachwood or Belfry versus eight and six Paducah Tillman. Who you got? Man, this one's really tough, but I'm going to go with our friend Jay Dorch and the Blue Tornado. Tillman takes the title back to Western Kentucky. Um, my side of the state never gets enough love, uh, especially in the sport of football. It's all, you know, look at what we're doing in Lexington and Louisville and in the mountains. So I'm going with Paducah to show a little love for that side of the state. But I want to share with you all a fun fact about this game from Howie Ooh. Lindsay. Oh, okay. You, have you all seen this stat? I, I believe I know this stat. Okay. Uh, please share it. This is an awesome stat, by the way. Belfry is closer to Canada than it is to Paducah Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that oh absurd? God. I, I, di I actually did not know that stat, but I do know it is the farthest distance between state championship teams. There was a game in 99 between Prestonsburg and Mayfield, uh, but that was only like 380-some-odd miles, and this one I believe is like 420-something, so crazy. If you're, if you're standing on Belfry's football field, you can get to Ontario, Canada faster than you can get to Paducah-Tillman. That's crazy. If you – if you flew commercial out of Belfry into Paducah, it would be an hour and a half flight. Just that's crazy to me. Yeah, that is, go Paducah yeah. Tillman. Okay, Johnson Central versus Bull County in four A. Who you got, Drew? Uh, I'm going Johnson Central. I think it's just too good of a storybook ending for that team, and uh, having lost Jim Matney, they're long-time coach and just a legend around those parts. I just think it's it's too good for them to not to not win it here. They get they get it done. This one is I think the most difficult game to predict because I could see it happening uh, in any different direction. Like it could be a shootout, it could be a blowout one way or the the other cuz Johnson Central <laughs> like you know what they're going to do. So like just can you stop it? And Corbin knew what they were going to do, and they just kept mowing them down. I think they're just too unstoppable. That's a machine. They're like the, the old uh, Packers back in the day where it's like, we've got three plays, and we're going to run it right down your throat. 
so I, I Johnson Central, I think is uh, is going to take home another state title. Nick, South Warren came to Versailles and beat up on my Yellow Jackets. Man, they did. And that we'll, was bad. We'll, we'll take on Drew's Frederick Douglas Broncos. Who you got? I, as much as I worry about Douglas, like, are they going to win? The, be able to win the big one? I don't know if if Veltkamp and Co. at South Warren have enough to to be able to keep up or not. So, uh, Drew, I, I think this is when Douglas finally does get it done. Dane Key has a big game, and, and they finally bring a state championship back to that back to the farm. I'm hoping so. As a new member of the Douglas family. Uh, Actually, I'm such a new fan. I have to go all over Lexington looking for a place to buy a hoodie this week so that I uh, am prepared at the game on Saturday going as a fan. But, uh, yeah, I got to go with Douglas. Like I said, it's become my hometown team. We had like 12 people from the neighborhood walk over Friday night for the <laughs> semifinal. We look ridiculous walking over with our blankets wrapped around us. But uh, I've enjoyed being a Bronco, so go Broncos. <laughs> Nick, I had like 17 layers on. I was on the sideline. And I could feel my butt vibrating and because my phone was buzzing. I almost didn't check it because I'd had to take my gloves off. It was cold, man. Uh-huh. And it was Drew. And he said, is that you in the black? And I, yeah, whatever. Then I look up and he's standing up like Forrest Gump waving from the ship. From both <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. But, yeah, we, we were both there freezing. It was a good game. I was, All just, right. I was just excited to be at the Kroger KSR game of the week. <laughs> there you go. Nick, you're a little biased on this next one. I am. You're, you're male Bulldogs by marriage. Yes. Taking on the St. Xavier Tigers. Who you got? Yeah, and my new head coach, Mike Jackson, his final game is male's offensive coordinator. I was at the first time they played, and male, they kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half and let St. X hang around. So um, I'm, I'm a little worried, but the, the they got too many big guns, I think, for male to keep up – or, excuse me, for Sanex to keep up. Bulldogs, roll. I, I'm, I'm not really well-versed in the Louisville high school and Catholic football scene. Um, all these teams are the same to me. I don't get into the rivalries. I, I guess I'll go with male just because I have fond memories of Michael Bush punishing my little Madisonville uh, basketball team when we played against male, so – I'll go with Mel for no reason other than Michael Bush was huge. And he's it's the you you go for the anti private school uh deal whenever you pick male. So there you go. yeah, suck at Saint X, suck at Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't get into all the Saint X first Trinity hatred. I don't I don't know which side I'm supposed to be for. Oh man, we've got Venables to Oklahoma buzz building. Uh there was a picture of his kid throwing horns down in a car. Uh, they don't know when the picture was taken, but it's everywhere. So that's the coaching search, uh, the coaching carousel. You got, oh, my gosh, his son, who's a walk-on at Clemson, is throwing horns down. He must be going to Oklahoma. Oh, it's great. Great stuff. Going to be a crazy week. Uh, Freddie, we'll be watching you. Uh, it's right, going to be a little chilly on Kroger Field, but we'll be watching you on the NFHS network. And uh, we'll be we'll be bogging to our heart's content over here at KSR. Uh, Drew, have fun at Rupp Arena tonight. And once again, everybody, go Cats and go Kroger. And peep the technique. Double sweat the technique. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.